Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Shared Universe Podcast Studio. My name is Ming Chen. Uh, every so often, we get to promote something really cool. And uh, when my friends are involved, uh, it's even better. Um, and so, you know what? I, I I had maybe an intro or something, but you know what? Let's just let's just bring everybody in. Uh, so to uh, to my right, uh, Mr. Michael Nathanson. Well, you'll know from The Punisher. He's been in many musicals, and uh, more. Most importantly, he's a friend of ours for sure, and he's got something really cool going on. Also uh, joining us, uh, you know him, you love him as uh, as Dante from Clerks, Clerks Two, Clerks Three, Chasing Amy, Mallrats, uh, Jane Sambob Strike Back, Jane Sambob Reboot. Um, everything, everything, uh, as many as well as uh, many conventions that he's attended for many years. Uh, Brian O'Halloran, and uh, so Michael. About two and a half years ago, uh, you, uh, we heard about a, a, a an idea that you had for a podcast. Uh, you, 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 which you revealed in secret to me and Mike Zapsic, and uh, it, uh, it was something that we're like, whoa, that's a what a great idea, man, and finally. It's been realized, and uh, I'm going to let you introduce it because I, I'm not going to do it justice, my friend. <clears throat> no, you you do all the justice. Well, first of all, big shout out to Ming and Mike because they are like my I, I call them my sort of podcast. Um, <laughs> um, I'm the Padawan, and they're the Jedi Masters of the podcast. Um, and they, I got I cut my teeth doing podcasts with them a little bit. I've done their podcast a few times and and got to hang out with them at their studio and everything. And they were really great mentors for me. So this podcast that I'm doing wouldn't wouldn't exist without their guidance, their support, their friendship. So that's a big shout out to you guys. And I mean that thousand percent for reals. Oh, thank you. But to, I yeah. mean to give you credit, we've never come up with an idea this good. So. Um, you guys just are the idea. So anything that comes out of you is just good. <laughs> so like, it's, you know, I'm learning how to be, you know, make myself into a brand, but, um, and thank you to Brian for being here. Brian and I go way back. Uh, we've been friends for a while. Brian directed me in a, a reading once, and then we became friends through the cons and then, um, just an all around wonderful human and actor creator. I know. Look at him. He's like, Jesus, am I dead? Am I really dead? My listening. No, yeah, this is your life. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Uh, When um, when you told me this idea as well, and Ming uh, and Mike were like, "Yo, this is what it's about." I was like, "What a stupidly easy idea! Why didn't I think of that?" Um, But uh, it it, has to wait for a good death for you, you know. Correct. As all good ideas are, they're usually best when they're the simplest. But uh, this one was like so right there because no one likes to think of the subject of death uh, at all, uh, as obvious with what's going on with Ukraine. We could care less. Um, So uh, with that being said, uh, it seems like this is a perfect outlet and you have gone to the perfect location to do it, which is the uh, shared universe (laughs) gurus of Mike and Ming, who... I don't think Ming has hasn't been home out of 365 days. I think he's been home 65 days because he's always on the road, either at cons or he's recording other people's uh, podcasts and streamcasts. So uh, you've come to the right place. Well, yes, we and I think we've sung their praises enough. So let's not do it anymore on this. because You know, you know that they're just going to be, you know, 
it's not it's gonna, it's not going to go over well for them. Like they they need they need to be kept in a certain <laughs> we, box. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't want yeah you you don't talk yourself too much or else it, it yeah, goes crazy. They won't work as hard. You, you get it. It's it's a whole thing. Anyway, so to intro, so Michael, podcast, tell us tell us your mission statement with this show. Yes, yeah. And, uh, so, can you can you give us a brief introduction on on yourself just for for anybody who may be uh, living under a rock or in a cave? Uh, maybe they don't own own a TV. Uh, yeah, if you don't own a TV or a phone. Um, I've been in lots of TV shows and movies. Uh, most famously in this sort of Comic-Con universe, I was Sam Stein in The Punisher, who met his end towards the end of season one at the hands of Jigsaw, Mr. Ben Barnes. And um, I've been in other shows, The Nick. There's a poster behind me. That's not a promo for it. It's just my office. Um, Steven Soderbergh's TV show that was on HBO about doctors in 1900. And... Uh, but when I was when I was working on The Punisher, I remember very distinctly. I had this idea. I was sitting with um, my co-star Amber Rose Riva, who was playing Dina Madani, my partner, <laughs> um, and I literally I had leaned over to her, and she didn't know I was going to die in the show. Nobody knew actually, except for me and like the powers that be, but none of the actors did. Uh, but at that point, I think it had been revealed, and we were getting ready to shoot the uh, the last episode. And I said to her, I was like. What about a show where, like, I interview other people who died? It was that simple. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. That's cool. And then I started sort of chipping away at the idea. Oh, it could be people in the Marvel Universe. You could expand it to any universe, TV, movies, anything. And it's sort of like a universal thread that connects certain kinds of actors and certain actors through the ages, especially on camera. So I was like, okay, this would be kind of cool. And I had it with Marvel at one point and I had it with as a TV show at one point. COVID really launched it back into the whole idea of doing it as a podcast because we're in this sort of golden age of podcasts where things are being created. And it's easy to create something like this and also easier to get people to, you know, sit for an hour, whether it's in person or on a Zoom to talk about their experiences. And so I teamed up with Lionsgate. They created this new uh, podcast division called Lionsgate Sound. And we are one of the first uh, shows on the platform, which has been great and really fun and exciting. 50 Cent has a show on there about, uh, uh, I think it's El Chapo or one of the, or Escobar, or some druggy, crazy, scary, true crime thing. And uh, there's various other podcasts. And this is sort of the initial pop culture uh, entry into their, um, into their canon, as it were. And uh it's been great. And, you know, we've been working on this for a year. We launched a few weeks ago. We got top pick podcast in The Guardian, which is really awesome and a really nice little review in there. And uh, got to do a live show at L.A. Comic Con as our sort of coming out party a couple weeks ago. Uh, Keith David was our special guest. So we're going to release that as a special bonus episode. And, yeah, it's just been really cool. And I've been doing a lot of podcasts to promote and talking to friends. And, you know, but, you know, it's it's you do these for the love of it because, as you can attest, Ming, who's like the ultimate fan, yeah. uh, I am I am also a fan at heart. That's what I love. I love this world. I love this universe, the universe of fandom, which encompasses so many wonderful things. And yeah, I've gotten to talk to so many of my heroes and, and some of the legends from, from uh, movies and TV or, and uh, it's been really cool. And so we're on episode four. I believe episode five drops tomorrow. It's every Tuesday and you can get it on 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the jazz. Uh, and then also you can go to the Lionsgate Sound website and it has more information and links and pictures and all sorts of stuff. But uh, the response has been really cool and really fun. And uh, I was desperate to get Brian. So here's the funny thing about having Brian here. Well, I, look, look what it look. What, I mean, give me a producer credit right now. I I I mean, I didn't get you, Brian. You you asked him, but uh, you know, I'm going to take full credit for that. But there he is. Yeah, Brian. And yeah. then Brian showed up. I mean, you say the word Brian three times into a mirror, and usually he shows up. <laughs> Careful. Sometimes Maybe. the ghost of Brian Dennehy shows up. That's true. We <laughs> you have to. So we. Uh, I was on a plane. I finally got a chance to watch Clerks 3, which I've been desperate to watch. Um, I didn't get a chance to see the roadshow of it, but I was on a plane going to New York to work a, an acting gig about a month ago. And I was like, oh, yes, it's on the plane. I was so excited. And um, this is where we do spoiler alert. I'm going to say it again. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If, you, if you've not seen Clerks 3, uh, tune out for, I guess, I don't know, the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah. But, uh, Earmuffs, hope, but yeah. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, it's on DVD right now. Get it at all outlets. Also streaming at all outlets. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, good promo, stream, good promo. All outlets. So you you have no excuse to have not, not have seen it by now. It's now widely available. But I was just going to say that, like, I, Brian and I are friends. And I was like, originally, I had an idea to do an episode with Brian to talk about the original ending of clerks where Dante gets shot in the convenience store at the very end. And I know that that was tested and it did not go over well. And they were like, yeah, maybe not. I mean, what a badass choice it would have been. It would have been a totally different movie and the, the, the legend and legacy of that movie. And I think that whole universe would have been way different. So I think he was smart not to do it yeah. because I think out of that created this obviously, but not just the movies, but like, you know, that launched the Kevin Smith oeuvre of all of those things. And I think that ending would have just sent his filmmaking sort of like point of view into a very dark place. But I was just curious to hear like what that was like filming that and then not having that ending, blah, blah, blah. Well, as luck would have it, how many years later, it's now 30 something years later, 30 years later, almost 30 years, 28 Am I right? Yeah, uh, we filmed it in uh, 93, so it came out in 94. So give or take, it's uh, 29 years Amazing. going on. And uh, yeah, that, that cat's been trying to kill me off since 93. Yeah. So here I am on this plane watching Clerks 3 and I'm laughing and I'm enjoying it. And I knew the premise that Randall gets a heart attack and it's kind of loosely based on Kevin's experience. And, and I was like, oh, this is great. And I love how they brought the story back home. And it's simple and i just it was it really felt like a complete nostalgia trip like i was watching the original clerks i will say black and white did he consider it for the third one uh question just a sidebar like full black and white yeah to just do it full black and white because it was sort of like a home version yeah i mean i i think that the choice that he made of making the filming of the inconvenience movie that randall was shooting those scenes in black and white and then cutting it to color as to the modern day kind of mindset of what we really were thinking. I thought it was a great choice artistically for him to do that. Plus it feeds into the whole thing like, Oh, I want to see it in black and white. Like you're asking. So we give it in the doses and it makes that you'll know that when we're filming, we're filming when we're not, we're not. And I think it plays best uh, with the salsa shark scene that we create, which leads to the big epic fight 
that Dante and Randall have in the third one where we go from black or white to color and it stays color and uh, we go from there. And the next time you see black and white is when Randall shows Dante the finished film uh, of of his inconvenience movie. Um, it was uh, it's definitely uh, something that I hated when I first read it in the 93 script. Uh, and I had said that to Kevin. I'm like, why would you want to do that? Um, it's funny because we kind of put that kind of thought when we shot Clerks 3. There is a scene in Clerks 3 where Dante's like, yo, what? Wh why are you going to? Because Randall wants to replicate the, the shooting ending. And he's like, well, what if there's a sequel? I mean, I don't remember if I said, what if there's a sequel? I just always thought like, I, why, why do you want to kill the guy kind of thing? But thankfully, um, producers rep John Pearson was the first one to tell Kevin heavily. And this is the guy who repped Spike Lee, who's repped um, uh, Linklater, Linklater uh, and a few others, some big names in the independent film uh, industry, uh, advising them how to sell their film. And he was the one who said, you got to cut that ending. You're just going to get the audience mad at the writer director for killing off one of the main characters that they felt, you know, they loved or whatever, especially since it's a comedy all the way up to that. And Kevin, you know, at that time, and he talked about this on the road show uh, at the Q&A's, um, you know, that that Kevin, that young Kevin, that brash, I want to bust down the doors kind of Kevin was thinking this was a bold choice that, yeah, well, fuck it. That's the that's the ending. That's the big joke at the end. He's not even supposed to be there today, but I'm bump and he gets shot. Um, so uh, thankfully. You know, every I think I, I think I owe John Pearson like 25 Christmas fucking bouquets every year uh, for keeping that ending out. Uh, but, you know, this is before DVDs were around. It makes a good DVD extra ending. So Kevin finally got his way in the third one. Spoiler alert. Uh, you'll yeah. see how. Uh, well, so, yeah. And that brings us to that brings us full circle to this third one where I'm sitting on this plane and I'm watching this movie. And. I don't know. Would you like to tell us, Brian, what happens to you at the end in the last act of this? Well, no, I mean, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for other people, but let's just say that uh, it's 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 a culmination of all the years and frustrations that Dante has had with Randall uh, and uh, Dante winds up in the hospital. Uh, and uh, from there on, you can see it from what happens after that. Uh, I'm not, you know, and there there's other situations in the film that are also very poignant and pulls at the heartstrings, pun intended, um, but is true in the fact that uh, the fans really gravitated towards these uh, characters, just like they would in the Marvel Universe with Tony Stark or in the Star Wars Universe with Han Solo and stuff like that. Uh, it's those type of endings that you're like, no, uh, where people kind of I've gotten tons of outreach through my social media and in person at these cons where literally I, I have to have a huge box of tissues at my table at the cons because I know what's coming when I see people coming up and they're like, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, you know, and it's awesome it, because if they didn't care and they were like, eh, so what? Then I would have like, wow, all these decades of work were for naught. But for them to come up to me and be like, oh, my God, you totally broke me. Or there are people who contact me like days and days, if not sometimes weeks later and like, oh, my God, I can't stop thinking about this movie and how it ended and blah, blah, blah. Or I get people like, oh, um, I just want to let you know my father just passed away three weeks ago or my best friend 
uh, died, whatever, a couple of months ago, or I had a child who I lost and this thing totally spoke to me. And, and I, it, it, you know, and I cried for like an hour and, but it was, a, it was a good cathartic cry. And so, um, as you know, you do theater as well and you do films and television. When you have an audience tell you that and elicit that reaction out of uh, that you've elicited that reaction and emotional feeling out of them, that it's such a huge reward. You know, when we do live theater, you just did a, a production this past summer and you're hearing the audience either laughing or crying or gasping right at the moment that you're doing it. You know immediately that you're doing it right. When we were doing this film last year, during COVID kind of protocol, strict protocols, we kind of liked what we were doing, but we didn't know if people were going to be pissed at us, if people were going to be like, why were you even doing this? Or, oh my God, this is such an obvious money grab or holy shit, look how lazy this is, whatever it was. We didn't, we knew what we wanted to do. We put it out there and thankfully the majority of the fan base has enjoyed it. It's not a film for everybody. We know that, but we don't make films for everybody. Um, we, we leave that for other people with deeper pockets who think they know they're making movies for everybody. We're making it for a specific group and they loved it. And uh, how, how the arc of Dante Hicks goes in this third movie, I think um, is appropriate. And when I saw where it was going to go, I put uh, as much work as I possibly could into portraying how that arc is. And I've been very fortunate that a lot of people have agreed with the choices that I made. I mean, yeah, it, it's a very, it's, it's got all the trademark Kevin Smith humor that you sort of want and expect, but it is a very sad movie, <laughs> but in a yeah. great way, but in a great way. Like, and I mean that, I, I don't mean that in a way that like, Oh, why was it so sad? It's, it's a perfect ending to that, to the story of Dante and Randall, a perfect ending. Mm. And I think, and it's a story that is very much about mortality. Like you don't realize from the first one to the last one, how much this, the whole story is about like, how much time do we actually have left? You know, I, I think about when, you know, even when I saw Clerks, you know, I was a young guy and, and I'm like, here are these other young guys and they're, they're so stressed out and talking about the minutia of life and they're wasting, are they wasting their time? Are they not wasting their time? But you realize when you get older, that old saying, right? That time just, as you get older, man, the years just go fly by and fly by and fly by. And yet when you're young, you waste them talking about nonsense, but no one has that perspective. It doesn't exist. Like the whole point of being a human being is there's a journey from being a young, dumb kid to being an older, wiser sage, hopefully if you get to that you know, you get to that point. Which, and I, which we were doing in the films. I mean, literally in the first film, there's this discussion about the Death Star contractors <laughs> and how, you know, Dante liked Empire better. Empire had the better ending. You know, uh, Luke gets his hand cut off, take, uh, uh, take away by Darth Vader, and a uh, uh, hand gets uh, frozen and take away Boba Fett. It ends on such a down note. And that's what life is, a series of down endings. <laughs> All Jedi had was Muppets. So even then, Kevin was putting out this kind of mantra of like, yo, life's going to step on you. You better do something while you're here because eventually they're going to move on. And even at the second movie, 
you know, Randall has this kind of, man, I've done nothing with my life kind of thing, you know? And so when, when, uh, uh, what's his name comes in that we call pickle fucker and says, Oh, you guys are just working a shit job. And he, he gets all stressed out. So we have to go to the go-kart track and it's always these little, you know, we check in with them every 10 to 15 years. Where are these guys now? Where are these guys now? And it grew with exactly what our audiences were doing. You know, our audiences were the late teens, mid 20 kind of people in 93, 94, checked in with them again when they were their mid 30s, late 20s. Then we check with them again, late 40s, early 50s. And they're all along the exact same journey with us. Now, obviously, since 94, we've picked up a whole other generation or two of fans and then fans who are the original fans who have kids who are now introducing them to the movies. Um, it's so funny to see that these little life lessons still apply. Now, yes, there is not really that many, if any at all, video stores around. And to explain to young kids these days, like, back in my day, if I wanted to see the new movie that came out, I'd have to wait six months after it left theaters before I could see it again. And then go to a go to a store where I had to wait in line and go, I'd like a copy. And they're like, sorry, sir, we're out of those. Do you want to be put on the list? And trying to explain rental movies is like, really? I, I can bring up 29, 29 million movies on my phone right now. No, no. It, it, it's the death of, it's like the death of so many things through the course of those movies, you know, not just Rosario's character who also spoiler alert. That's, that's the premise, part of the premise of the movie. So I'm not giving too much away there, but you know, uh, it starts with that understanding that that's where these characters are at a point in life it's like reminding us all as we get older, you know, you are going to experience loss. You're going to experience tragedy. That is unavoidable. You're not just going to, no matter how much you isolate yourself, working in a video store, working in a convenience store, you don't want to take a chance, you know, out of fear, out of whatever. Life will find you in great right. ways and in shit ways. And you find, you, yeah, you find yourself being invited to more funerals than you are weddings. It's, it's a crazy thing. And, and I, what's, what's really interesting is that like, you know, I was a teenager when I saw clerks the first time and it totally, it totally changed me. Like as a, as a, as a person, like wanting to be an actor, wanting to be a filmmaker, wanting to write, um, the, 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 the juxtaposition of sort of like the philosophical tomes and ideas and, and, uh, barring from all the great, uh, dark philosophers and writers and then mixed with that sort of sophomoric idea of, of these guys. And, and you just knew there was something special there that it, it felt similar, but it felt like there were greater themes at work, even if we didn't understand them at that moment. Um, and the way it's played out over time, like I said, that trilogy has just, it has, it has survived. It's like, it's like told the story of a generation or like several generations now, but like, tracking that from now it's similar to like when i saw train spotting 2 mm. it just felt like there was that legacy where it was like here was this iconic thing where like yeah i couldn't relate to doing heroin but it was a, a moment in in our culture in our time where like a certain kind of music was popular a certain kind of filmmaking a certain kind of thing and and then you sort of come at it many many years later and you're like what's different what's new how do you explain this but it's those moments in time that are captured. And I think you perfectly said it earlier when you're like, people come to me and they're crying uh, about my character and, you know, having this connection. I mean, that's why I did this podcast, honestly, not to bring it back to the podcast, but 
No, that's, that's why we're here. Yeah, and that was the impetus for it because it was like I have those connections too. Like I would go to Comic Cons, and I think Ming and Brian can probably probably remember this. You know, there I've been gone to Comic Cons where I was just so much more interested in meeting certain people yeah. than I was about like actually signing anything because I I was just like, holy shit, that person is here that meant meant so much to me as a child, and I'm here partially because of that person. That connection is very real, and especially when it's a character that is that has died or has like you know, it has the, has an iconic death or has some, you know, finality to it. There's something about that. Ming, please. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's one of the best parts of going to conventions is uh, it's like, holy crap, uh, you know, Brian O'Halloran, Michael Nathanson and, uh, you, you know, like Kevin Smith are going to be there or, you know, or Mark Hamill and, uh, you know, just our heroes. Are, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you've been we've been in multiple green rooms where we'll see like in the past, you know, Adam West talking to like William Shatner talking to like Nichelle Nick, like it's a weird fever dream of fandom at <laughs> like at these things. And, you know, as, and us as fanboys, it, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty huge. Um, I, yeah, sometimes I walk into those, these things. I'm like, are, am I in heaven? Because this is like, this would be my idea of heaven is all my favorite, uh, uh, actors and their characters all kind of hanging out with each other in one place. So, and, and a lot of those actors, you know, truth be told are, are near dead. So it is kind of like, <laughs> um, that is part of it. You know, so. like, I, I was just at a show in Columbus and we had, you know, they had like Richard Dreyfus there, you know, and, uh, you know, we had Rosario Dawson up at uh, galaxy con in Columbus. And it was the same type of thing that were coming to me about, we're going to her saying the same thing. Um, and so it's fun to to see these people like, you know, uh, with Richard Dreyfus, I would talk to him about, oh, how was it working with Robert Shaw? You know, I was a big, big fan of his. Uh, I thought he was an incredible actor in general. Um, black eyes, and, like and, and, eyes. and talk about an incredible death. I mean, oh, yeah. that was one of the most shocking deaths of my childhood that I saw in film. Um, so those are the type of things that I enjoy as well that I think that uh, when you finally get to meet those actors and, you know, you know, I, from what the rumors were always like, Harrison Ford wasn't going to agree to that last Star Wars movie unless they wrote him out as yeah. dead. Um, so it's that type of thing like, well, well, what was it that you I, I, I don't know, kid, I was just sick of it. You know, whatever it could have been, <laughs> it would have been fun to, to see. Yeah, and what I like about you guys as actors, um, you know, you mentioned life, you know, is short and then you die. But as actors, um, I think every actor probably dies at least one time playing a role uh, mm -hmm. in their, you know, in their career. And um, I think probably uh, counting the lost ending to Clerks, um, have you? Uh, I, I guess I'll count your death in, in Dogma. I guess uh, uh, Grant Hicks, correct? Uh, probably. Well, and, you know, it's off screen, but there's a. You see him screaming, yes. but you don't know if I die or not. Okay. Um, and, and also the the one that you would have definitely seen me, and it was a very awesome death. Uh, M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. That's the one I was going to ask about. I I play the Jeep driver. John Leguizamo is my part uh, is my passenger, and there's three other people in the back of the car as well of the Jeep as well. And as a matter of fact, if you if you had the DVD for some reason, if you did on the deleted scenes extras, there's also the uh, the anatomy of the crash. And they do like a mini documentary about all the the rigging that had to be involved to get that Jeep to do crash where my character literally 
flies out the front windshield because it hits a tree, flies out the front windshield and lands on the ground. And, uh, oh, I totally wanted to like, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And they were like, no, we're not going to do it. Yeah, we got a guy for that. We got a guy for that. I'm literally on screen on the making of that crash than actually in the movie. So was that your first first on-screen death? Well, I mean, that was your first on-screen death because you shot it. Right, right. Uh, it just didn't get released. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that was my first on-screen death. I mean, to, I bombed. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I make that joke quite a bit. Yeah, uh, but thanks, Brian. That would have been one. Um, vulgar. I don't die. Uh, if anything, the antagonist dies. Um, and let me see. There's there are the other films that I would have died in. I I, I don't think so. The rest, uh, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, check your People IMDb. Uh, yeah, I think you you, you remain safe. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how you know you've made it is that like you die less because filmmakers just love you more and want want more of you and want to have more of you. I guess that's maybe. But then there are those actors who are just so douchey and awful <laughs> and they're cast in these horrible villain type roles. And especially you see some of the the eighties movies and action movies and stuff, you'll see some of the same actors portraying these kind of mob villainy kind of, you know, guys. And people want to see them die in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And to them as actors, they just want to make sure they die a very different way than the last time they died. You know what I mean? Like, well, this time, can you cut my head off? Or can this time, can I be like put into a compact or, you know, something else than just shot? Okay, you're dead. Too bad. It's funny. You know? I, I it makes me think of like all the mob guys who are in all the like either whether it's David Chase or Scorsese, where they all just keep popping up in each other's stuff and they're all just dying in different ways at different stages of their lives. And I I I've always seen that like every mob movie I see. And then you go back to like not to not, not that I watch all my movies on a plane, but I had several really long flights recently and I was like, and Godfather one and two were both on there. So I just like I just did one and two straight through, and I was like Every time I see Godfather one and two, I see yet another actor that I'm like, oh, right, that guy. And he was in that guy. And I can track by how many mob deaths he's had <laughs> through the years. Even in like Analyze This, some of those guys pop up even in the funny mob movies and they die. It's really it's really weird. Those guys would be it would be fun to get all of those guys in one room. Be like the character actors of the mob movies through the years. And I've been and it's the shot. He's feeling shook. <laughs> and then you could take the horror genre, right? And right. you'll see people who've been hacked to pieces, people who've been thrown off buildings, people who've been poisoned, people who've been eaten by zombies in many different forms, uh, or vampires who've been, you know, taken control by a vampire. It's always funny the how the categories of death could be too. Like eventually for your show, I, I suggest you put up a poll like what preference of death do you like to see a main character die and, and give them four or five choices and, uh, and just go, go after those guys as get, I wanted to do a, um, yeah, I wanted to do a, uh, I definitely want to do a TV, a straight up TV season where it's just like the iconic deaths of the golden age of television. Um, I wanted to do a whole season of Sopranos deaths, but <laughs> they kind of, they've kind of over, you know, Imperioli and, uh, Sharipa have that, uh, yeah, they they slid that one in. I'll let I'll let that slide. That that's probably better than anything I could do with the Sopranos. But um, I have a question for you, Brian. Sure. So like when you are so initially like when you're doing and let's just take it back to the first Clerks. Hmm. When you read the script, does he does Dante die at the end of the script of the original Clerks, or was that something that Kevin added on later? Like when you first read the script, is the last scene 
Dante gets shot by a burglar, by a robber, whatever. Right. Uh, he gets shot by the guy who, funny enough, owes Jay and Silent Bob money, where you hear in the beginning, in the middle of the film, Jay goes, hey, hey, doesn't that guy owe some money? And Bob looks, and he, the guy runs off, and he's like, uh, "Remember, remind me to shit in his bag next time." That's hilarious. That's, I, I forgot. I'm sure I knew that. But wait, so it's their fault that you die because he's robbing you to pay them for the drugs. It's it's everything is Jay and Silent Bob's fault though. That's their whole reason. That raison d'etre is everything's our fault. They cause every. They're the butterfly effect of the world, essentially. Absolutely, uh, they are the time masters, the time lords that pop up in two weeks sometimes. Okay, time. so. So my question is, you're, yeah. young, you're, you're a young actor and you see that and like, forget for a moment that it was cut and all that. So your your performance in that movie is, I know that I'm this guy, Dante Hicks, who, you know, is leading this, feeling like I'm leading a dead end life. I don't know what I'm doing with relationships, work, all this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to get shot at the end. So, you know, as the actor and as the character, that this is the arc of your character. It, it, it takes place over what, like two days, maybe? No, one day. One, day. one day. Is it one day? One day. Yeah, it's one oh. day. Okay, right, right, right. So, what, as an as a young actor who a has never died in anything before, also it's a big you know it's a big deal um, getting that part. I mean, you probably didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal because that's just no. the way the way things go. But um, tell me about your process and thinking about I'm playing this character knowing he's going to die. How do I take that out of the equation for myself? This may be like trying to get you to mine some like long ago thoughts, but like, I'm just curious, like I ask everybody about this process. Like, how do you, how do you think about it? How do you consider it? And based on the character, cause it's different, sorry to like digress, but it's different in a movie, right? In a movie, you're telling a very finite story in a series. You have way more exposition, way more time to settle in with those characters to get to know them. But in a movie, you still have to create a fully re realized human being that feels relatable in some way. And so I'm curious how you approached it. And then the day of what that was like to actually film your own death. Um, well, leading up to that, I, I had been doing theater for about three, four years prior to that, which I had died a few times in productions, in theater productions. So uh, pr approaching an, a character that dies, I'd, I'd done before. Uh, when it came to this character and being that this character was very close to what the pulse was of 20-somethings in the early 90s who were overeducated, underemployed, who didn't see a lot of prospects, who, you know, the Gulf War had just happened earlier on where people my age were like, yo, this is a bullshit war. We, you know, if we, I don't want to be drafted kind of a thing, kind of a thought process. Um, so when it got to the day of the life of Dante and this character, and we did leave, I believe, the shooting towards the end of the film uh, shooting schedule, uh, the shooting was at the end of the shooting schedule. Um, so in that sense, I knew it was quite simple it, because it's so quick and it is a gunshot killing. Um, it's just, you know, Dante is just doing his paperwork at the end of the day. Oh, and then, is. yes. And then there he is. Same actor, by the way, uh, Johnny William, uh, back again in clerks three replicating the goof of killing me. Um, Coming in there, and then when I look up, I see that image, and then kablam, the gunshot. And I made sure that I, because I know the size of the gun. I have friends who had guns and parents 
friends, parents of friends who had guns in that size. A lot, a lot, of, guns, a lot of guns in your life at that point. Well, well I grew up in the, the early Bronx, 90s. So. Well, I also grew up in the Bronx for the first 10 years of my life in the 70s. So there was a lot, yes. including the Son of Sam killings. Um, so I knew that I needed to throw my body against the back and then slide down. Um, we did a chest wound. Uh, we used Hershey's chocolate syrup since it was black and white film. It didn't matter what color. It just mattered the viscosity of blood coming out of me. Which was what they uh, used back in the day, right? That was like an old school trick. Yeah. Black and yeah. White I mean, otherwise, if it was color film, it was caro syrup, corn syrup right. with uh, red food coloring. And because the 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 uh, caro syrup, once again, had the consistency of oozing blood at the pace that you would if a gunshot, as opposed to slitting the carotid, which then that's the spurting thing. But we'll leave that to Kurosawa. Um, <laughs> so that was the type of thing that I wanted to make sure that there was no thought process of it. I mean, I put my verbal objections in the very beginning of reading the script, like, I don't think you should kill the guy. But that being said, we did the whole thing and I was done. And then it was just a long take on Dante as he's just at the on the floor of behind the counter and the dude running back, rifling through the cash register and heading out. And then the credits roll and then the post credit before Marvel started doing post credit kind of end scene scenes. Kevin did it where Kevin comes in clean shaven now which he looks very different than Silent Bob with the beard. He's like, hello, hello. And then in total Jersey style, just reaches up, grabs a whole bunch of cigarette packs and then runs out. And that's the end of the movie. Um, so those are the type of things that the thought process was, look, look, I just wanted to technically look like I had been shot and really try not to move the chest, like really hold my breath as long as they, until they said cut so that I wouldn't be like, you know, and that was did it. Did you study any, did you study, did you watch any films where people died? Did you want to like, you're like, I want to die in a cool way. Like I want this. Oh, man, every, back then everybody had seen the faces of death. That that was a VHS tip. That <laughs> oh God. Yes. We all saw that. That is, that is widely available now on the internet. But I mean, was there like a right. movie you saw as like a kid that you were like, no, cause like, look, when I was a kid and I was playing, you know, characters from movies, I would constantly be dying or killing other kids, right? That's like what we do. Right, yeah. Run around with our fake guns. Mine was generally Indiana Jones or Han Solo. But like, you know, the dream would have been, oh, fuck yeah, like I want to be in a movie where I like kill someone or get killed. Like that was a cool thing. Sorry, kids. This is a, you know, not a, not a great life lesson, but it's just the reality of where of how we all grew up. Um, <clears throat> but like, did you think about oh yeah like i remember that movie where so-and-so had that like badass death i want to be like i don't know i just i just wonder if you like thought i thought about it on punisher i was like going back to all these like movies that i watched and i was like how can i do this in a cool way or how do i want to go out do i want to go out with some panache? right i mean but that's more of like a vengeance kind of death like avenge me kind of a thing and True. this was a simple just uh robbery gone wrong kind of a thing um so with that i mean i've seen back in the day i saw all the charles bronson death wish movies you know everybody saw like the warriors and even the indiana jones movies there was a couple of quite a few 
uh, machine gun killings and killings of a gun and stuff like that. And World War II movies, I was a big, me and my dad were huge, black and white, World War II, John Wayne, Cagney kind of movie kind of things. So those type of movies about gun violence, oh, I was all about, you know, same thing with yeah. the Godfather movies. Action, and action. Stuff. Now. Yeah, action stuff. So, and there's all the Schwarzenegger shit in the, in, in the 80s. So that being said, there wasn't any type of like, oh, I must, oh, oh. You know, there was never going to be <laughs> yeah. that. I, I wanted to keep it as simple, to be honest with you, as simply as possible. To, That's a great to, answer. To no, because sometimes that is what it calls for. I, I just think that like sometimes when, as an actor, you're like, you, you know that it's, a, it's such a significant thing that you like sometimes you will put and that's the other uh, you know equation like right? you sometimes you put way too much thought into it and you're like it has to like visually be a certain way or i have to do a certain thing and sometimes the simplest way is the best way well the third one the third one i did i did put a good bit of t- thought well, into i'm getting that. nervous to ask you about it because i'm feeling like you made you've seen it and you there's two versions there's the what happens in the store and what happens in a hospital kind of situation. And that I did do research on that. I did talk to medical people. Um, I've also seen family members who went through it. So I, I visually have already seen it in my life. Uh, so those type of things, uh, yes, research is put upon it. Just like uh, research with panic attacks and research of the grief and the, the pain of losing someone or the pain of missing someone. Uh, that, that kind of work was put into the third one, definitely. Wait, I mean, do you like what and, and tell I'm just curious and I think people want to know this, like, what, tell me more about that work and like what that moment felt like because you're you're laying it's it's a, obviously it's a very different death it's di- different from even a death like mine where you were saying it's more about vengeance and it had like a very mm. big sort of finality to it but it's not like mm. my character knew it was going to happen the difference yeah. in, in dante's arc is that let's just say for argument's sake at this moment we did have that original ending in clerks but mm. at least for you that was your experience and then like here we are in the third movie Dante knows that this is it. Dante on some level is like, I'm here, I'm experiencing this, I'm taking another journey. You know, what goes through your mind as an actor? How much of that is going through your mind as Dante, as an actor? You know, seeing your, I mean, because also the meta-ness of it is there's Kevin, there's Jeff, there's Marilyn or whoever is in the room. There's all your friends that you've known for 30 years or whatever. And it's like, it's not just the character who's leaving us. I don't know. I, I, I would think that it would feel somewhat even more personal. So I'm just curious of like what, what kind of entered into your mind and how did that feel? Well, in the beginning, when we established his, uh, a certain character is not with him anymore as well. And his longing to be with her and missing her and missing them and stuff like that. Knowing, you know, I've been around uh, family members who passed my own father's death. Really. I was 15 when my own father passed away uh, and the, and I spent so much time with him. So, you know, that that's always something I can rely on as to, to getting me upset of people who I've missed uh, relationships that have ended things like that. And people, good friends who have passed over the years. Um, um, I've, I've, I've experienced and just deaths of other people's uh, family members and people I became close to. Um, so the emotion of that throughout the, 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 the majority of the, the third movie, uh, along with the anxiety of having to 
face those emotions in a, a relationship, as you can see, is not so, hey, emotions are easily back and forth with each other. Arguments, yes. Anger, certainly. You know, sarcasm, oh my God, that's how we breathe. But with the actual feelings of what was going on and how they truly felt towards each other, you had a small snippet of it in Clerks 2 in the jail scene when Randall and Dante are like, what are we going to do? And Randall's like, I'd buy the quick stop myself, you know, and run it ourselves. That was the just the little taste of the emotional rapport that was Dante and Randall. And Kevin captured that and then said, I want to do more of that. You know, I see these guys are best when they argue with each other. When these guys fight, oh my God, it's perfect. So he took that and then made more of a whole movie about it. And so uh, carrying those emotions through, knowing that from the, from the jump of the third one, this is what has happened in Dante's life. This is what grief is about and carrying it through. Then the fear and of losing his own good friend, when his own good friend has a heart attack, and this is out there. This is, was in the trailer, so there's nothing new that I'm talking about here. Uh, and the emotion of, oh, my God, I nearly lost my good friend. And the, the, the fear of that. And then also them being told, you know, you really should humor him because men who go through a heart attack slip into a deep depression. So try to keep his spirits up kind of a thing. And so Dante entertains every type of scheme that Randall came up with. And in this case, I want to make a movie about my life here at the quick stop. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, and so he goes along with it, the stress of having to get the money together and stuff like that. So with all that going through Dante's head, and here we get to a scene where he's faced to once again, go to the movies restaurant to shoot, to a reshoot of a very iconic scene from clerks Two, it triggers a panic attack yet again in dante which then leads him to flee before they even think about filming uh which then angers randall and then when he he goes and dante goes and, and goes to a bar and drinks a bit and uh, gets a little uh, over over served comes back to the store where they want to shoot the iconic salsa shark scene and then that leads to that big emotional argument yeah. Because once again, the actual dialogue from that first movie put into the context of him in his 50s is incredibly apropos, but is just more triggering than anything has ever been said between the two of them. To which then Dante just fucking has no more fucks to give and lays it into him. And in so doing so, uh, life kicks in and punches him in the heart. And we go from there. Uh, so that collapse, you know, there's many ways that that type of event can happen to someone. Uh, I know of the way I, I took the way where oxygen has been cut off and you collapse. And that's how a lot of people realize sometimes that there's the pain in the arm sometimes that eventually like, oh, what's going on? There's how Randall have it where like, I can't catch my breath, man. And then there's the one where it literally just it's been cut off and you just go black and go out where some people think you're just fainting or in this case uh randall thought i was just drunk and just was like ah blah you know and, and fell out um and then when it gets to the hospital scene where i am intubated um i i've seen people intubated have their last heart attack and die it's not a not a vision i wanted to see in my life but i did um so that i remembered and that just stuck in my head to, oh, now we're coming to this scene. I remember how that went. 
And uh, we shot a lot more coverage of that event than anything uh, with with the other, with uh, Randall. And then he edited it down to what it is. You know, so drawing upon those memories, drawing upon those uh, pains uh, is where it went to. When and you're then, laying uh, in that bed at the end and you're intubated and you're there, you're taught, you're sort of saying goodbye, as it were, <clears throat> on some level, you know, I mean, do you think about like what goes through your head? Do you think about as the character, like, because I just drawing back from to this to my death and the, and the Punisher was I had a lot of thoughts going through my head that I that I that I sort of anticipated, you know, you don't have, you don't have the words in death scenes very often. It's about what you're communicating through your eyes very subtly. Um, in my case, in my death, I was literally cut off from speaking. I got stabbed in the throat. I think one of them, I was stabbed multiple times and one of them was in the throat. I think he did it on purpose. So I couldn't tell Dina that uh, Billy was jigsaw, etc. blah, blah, blah. So, Spoiler. <laughs> yeah right. Four so, years ago. so, but but I had but I have things that I that I was like I was like how am I going to convey this you know and on my face and is it regret is it true like what is it and I think it was funny when I actually filmed it things that I had prepared kind of left me and I felt an enormous amount of sadness while I was dying like I felt sad about it like I felt. Like, like I was cut off too early and I, there were things I wanted to say and things I wanted to do. And I was like, it almost felt like treading water, knowing that you're not going to make it to the surface, but you're just like, you're going to try. And there's all these things I wanted to say. And I had to do all of that through my face and my eyes and my blood. But I'm just curious if, if that kind of stuff went through your brain, like what kind of went through your brain in that, in in the bed, in that bed scene? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, technically, I wanted to convey that I was on a ventilator and that I couldn't speak because I was on a ventilator. Two, there's interact. I'm actually interacting with the the Randall character. He's telling me stories, and so with my, I only have my eyes. So there's a kind of uh, it's okay. Uh, I, you know, he talks about how, hey, I'm here to show you your, your the movie that we did, and I'm so sorry I shouldn't have said all these things to you in the store. Uh, you've always been the lead in my movie. You're the Luke, uh, and stuff like that. So there was a lot of looking at him like, it's okay, buddy. I, I understand that. It's all right. We're good, and, and I'm sorry what I said kind of a thing. But at the same time, when it cuts to that other scene where he sees that, oh, uh if I just let go, holy shit, I could be, I could be in paradise, so to speak. Is that where you're in the movie uh, theater watching the movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so having to convey that at the same time in the bed in real time. It's a lot. While, <laughs> while in my space, we shoot the actual scene where I'm reacting like, where am I? Why am I in a movie theater? Yeah. And I'm watching the movie in the beginning. You're and thinking that's about that scene at the same time. Correct. And so we're, and we're being shown it like in the movie theater, he had put up the original movie, then cuts to the second movie. And it's when it cuts the second movie, that's when the hand on top of Dante's hand where he's like, what? Like, why am I, how am I feeling this? And it's her. And then he realizes, oh, oh, oh shit. Okay. But then is content with it. And then that's why even at the end, he's like, Hey, don't you want to see the ending? No. I trust the director. Not only was he my, the best filmmaker, 
he was also my best friend. And then that emotion of that. So there was a, there was a lot of layers on that, uh, that cake that had to be portrayed. And I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that people understood what went into it. There was a lot of work. I was ready to say like, look, if I'm going out, I'm going out big and I'm going out with nothing left in the chamber. I'm letting everything that I can put into this kind of character and ending in this iconic, you know, and I've been told this and it's, you know, the fucking, it's a governmently stored film. It's in the library of Com Congress. So even the government agrees uh, that these are iconic characters to be preserved, so to speak, uh, that I was going to go out big. It's a responsibility because you are an icon for like a lot of people. And, hmm. and it's, I don't know. I, I, I very few of us, I am do not put myself in that camp. There are very few people who can speak to that experience, you know? I mean, like, you know, you are you are one of the sort of like you are the Luke or Han of the sort of indie film, you know, world in a sense, because you know, and you have that link to that sort of you know, all the all those fan the, the fandoms of everything. And um I will say, I, you know, I'm a big fan of yours and I love these movies so much. And uh I was crying on the plane. I was fully fully immersed in crying in that scene. It was because it also just felt like it's not a death knell for like my sort of like youth or my childhood or my dreams or something. But on some level, it's like, you know what? Like you're not going to get to do everything you want to do. You're never, you're, you're probably will won't be playing hockey for the Rangers or the Islander. Or You'll never, you know, whatever these dreams are, of these like Jersey kids who are growing up who started out, you know, working in these stores and someday, you know, maybe ended up working in fast food. Like sometimes it gets better. Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes it stays the same, but that sort of reality of, you know what, you're not going to get to do everything you want to do. You're not going to achieve all your dreams, but you will have beautiful, wonderful things in your life. It's just inevitable. And many of those things will come to you in ways that you didn't expect. And you just have to, as much as possible, practice some kind of mindfulness in your life and understand being in the moment is important because as much as you complain and bitch and moan, which is like the Dante creed, right? It's just like, that's where he comes from. It's like, you know what? You've got good friends. You've got women who are willing to have sex with you, which is awesome. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the things that Dante had in the first clerk. So he's like, oh, I don't know. He had lasagna made for, I mean, there were so many great things that he had that he didn't appreciate at that moment. But you're like, at the end of your life, like, wait, you know what? There was some pretty good shit there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think these, uh, uh, Kevin did an amazing job writing this character, uh, and he, he will continue to, it's not like there's not going to be more. I'm sure, uh, if we, uh, can get a, the cartoon back, uh, not in the exact same format with Disney, but he has the right to do a cartoon. I'm sure these characters have more stories to tell. Uh, this is not the absolute ending. Uh, we shall see what happens. I mean, Jeff, Jeff might be like, absolutely not. I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. I'm never doing this again. What? Yeah, suddenly he's uh, ubiquitous, right? He's like, he's like, wait, this is accepting of his legacy a little bit more, maybe. Of course, but as we grow older, that's what it is. I mean, the yeah. lessons that were put into this Clerks 3, I mean, expressed by the Becky character, live while you can, love while you can, and for God's sakes, dream bigger, is still something that a 17-year-old can have as much as a 55-year-old could have, um, and even then some. You know, people people start new things all the time, uh, and but also, you know, for God's sakes, 
get your heart check. If you're if for our age, especially, and you know, go go get it checked out. Get a EKG. Get a simple blood test. Make sure everything's all good. Uh, check your diet if you have to. Get you know, get a whole lipid test and all that jazz done. But get that's what happens. Colonoscopy. Get your uh, colonoscopy. Blood all sugar that, checked. What else? Yeah, we have the technology there to keep yeah. ourselves to be well maintained. We're not quite yet up to you know lee major status of uh, bionic man shit <laughs> no but i appreciate the psa have, here it's important we have enough but i mean that's if in a sense that's what that clerks three movie was it was a bit of a psa test like yo you need to you need to make sure that as much as you think it's not going to happen to you it can happen to you on an idle tuesday at four o'clock how much of that? How much? How many conversations do you have with Kevin about his experience having a heart attack? And obviously, that's been that sort of informed the last kind of like section of his career. You know, he talks about it a lot, and how could it not? And and obviously, he's putting it into Clerks Three. It's not an accident. So, like, how many? Like, what did you guys talk about? And and when that happened to Kevin, like, what was your reaction? You know, what did you think about? Like, what is? I'm just well, I mean, I mean I, immediately I was super upset. I mean, this is a guy I've known for almost 30 years and has been incredibly generous and kind and talented and the world would miss a huge talent if God forbid he had passed. And I remember when that, when pe- my phone blew up, when it was going on, I was like, what? And I texted him immediately because I knew calling him, he wasn't going to pick up the phone. And then a couple hours later, he got back to me after he got out, he was still at the hospital in the bed and stuff and everything was good. And then he took his own selfie for his Instagram <laughs> shot while that. he was with the lead so in a way you don't have to really ask him he'll he'll just be forward about with what had happened which he was so there wasn't a lot of me asking about when it came to the third film you know jeff and him had been in contact a a long time before that uh, especially during the heart attack stuff so jeff's character has pretty much kevin's heart attack you know, the one that he had exactly where it was all right. He didn't feel anything. He was high on weed. Anyway, that's what made him relax. While the one that the Dante character has, spoiler alert, um, is his dad's one. The one he didn't get back from. The one that he heard his dad screaming in the hospital before he went. You know, that's the that's the heart attack that Dante represents. And I've heard this story because when we did the... Um, convenience tour which was the road show aspect of the clerks three screenings where kevin did 52 screenings over 46 or seven cities um i went i i think i went to 12 of those screenings 10 or 12 of those screenings and i've heard these stories numerous times in various iterations of it where um it is something that needs to be taken care of it's something we need to do it's something that life can do for you not only are we tackling grief and love and loss and someone pursuing the arts later in their life, there are so many different subjects that happen in Clerks 3 that you could focus on. But in the end, it's, it was, it's a romance between Dante and Randall, this bromance and what happens uh, when that, that can go wrong sometimes. So I'm glad I was able to do it. I'm glad you, I was able to talk to you today about you know, this specific, uh, the two movies, the first chance at killing me to the last chance that did to even the happening with M night Shyamalan (laughs) where I fly through the window in between. Um, I don't mind dying on stage or in films as long as I don't bomb is all I care about. Wise words. Amazing. Um, so both of you have pretty iconic, uh, iconic deaths. Um, is it, 
is there one way that you, you know, upcoming project, did you, you know, would there be a way that you you would want to go out? Do you have like a dream way? You know, it's like, all right, like, uh, you know, like Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, a mano a mano, uh, you know, street side battle, um, you know, getting yeah. eaten by a shark, um, getting thrown off a building. Do you guys have maybe one yep. way that you, you would want to go? Yes. Go for uh, it. I want to, be, I want to, I want to die in a, uh, a lightsaber battle. <laughs> I want to be a Jedi and I want to face a Sith or someone else and die in a lightsaber battle. Boom. Drop, drop the cloak. All right. Drop the cloak. Go right to fourth ghost. Okay. I love it. I am Michael. Um, do you have a, you have a dream, uh, dream way of going in a movie or TV or, or, or on stage or. I mean, I think nobody kills people like Quentin Tarantino. Um, and I would really like Quentin Tarantino to kill me in something. I don't care if I have one line or zero lines, but like, Oh, I was watching once upon a time in Hollywood and Scoot McNary who's such a fucking awesome actor. One of my favorite actors, he comes on, he's in the TV show that DiCaprio is playing the, the villain in, right? Cause he's like, my career's over now. I'm left playing these fucking villains on TV. And he, uh, he gets shot. Who's the other actor? It's uh, Timothy, uh, Oliphant. Uh, Oliphant, right. Thank you from, uh, what's that? What's that? He was in a justified. Is that the show? Yep. Justified. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I remember, I'm like, oh, there's Scoot McNary. And I think within like 20 seconds, Scoot McNary is just blown to smithereens. I think in a quick gun, it's just like a little quick standoff. And I think he's just like, he does one of those things where like he takes the rope, right? He like attaches it to an actor and just like yanks them back really hard. It happens quite a bit in Django Unchained. Um, I just thought, I'll bet Scoot McNary was so thrilled to do that movie for five minutes and get brutally murdered by someone. So... <laughs> That would be my choice is like, I don't care how big or small that role is just to be killed in one of his movies would be kind of a, an awesome life event. By the way, Brian, favorite movie death of all time. Just curious. I always ask everybody. Great so question. You said, yeah. You said Robert Shaw. Well, is there yeah. another one that's kind of, that's kind of hit you as hard or as you know, I mean, I, I love that death. The Robert Shaw being eaten by Jaws uh, is definitely uh, one of my favorite deaths. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there another death? I mean, you could say, um, what's his name? The original death in Aliens by uh, God. <laughs> what's his name? Where Alien? he's that Alien? Alien. 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 The very first one. John Hurt. John Hurt's death in Alien. Another amazing. Like that, everybody's head went <laughs> when that happened. That came out of nowhere. And then they did that SNL sketch, didn't they? Didn't they do an SNL right. sketch? Yeah, and they used to again. Uh, oh, no, that's Spaceballs. 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 Spaceballs, for sure. Where John Hurt played himself. <laughs> John Hurt! Yes! Not many people do a John Hurt impression. I was going for it. There you go. I died in Aliens. It was very... We can expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Terrible! That, it's so good, they repeated it numerous times like every time that's the only way aliens can be born is bursting <laughs> out of people's chests so that between the robert shaw you know and the john hurt those are my two top deaths those are good choices yeah what's yours what's mine yeah oh jesus christ i've been asked this so many times yeah i, I figured you I have been like, so i know right everyone's like well what's yours you're the one i'm like oh fuck i always feel like i'm i'm on the spot because all i do is think about all of them and then right. they all start just like bleeding into my brain my my favorite death or the one that kind of like 
I usually will I'll say is like of the last like 20 years on screen, it's a TV death and it's Michael K. Williams in the wire was the death that really fucked me up hard when he gets killed in the convenience store by the little kid. Here's a character who, um, here's a character who's just survived the entire series and you love him. And he's such an amazing, what a layered, incredible character. And then the, the fact that he goes out so simply and it's a child and you think about the way in which the mechanisms of their society and, and, and what they've been talking about in that show and how it came to be that that kid and that cycle of violence, just perpetuating with kids now killing that, you know, it's like, it, it encompassed the entire show in that one death in, in, and it's like my favorite show of all time. So that, that is, that has really affected me. Uh, and, and probably Dante and, uh, just kidding. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so, um, if, if you go to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you search playing dead, you'll, you'll pull up the podcast. Uh, so far, I think you have episode, your last episode, uh, Shannon Purser who played Barb in stranger things. Yeah. Awesome. We had a coup with that. Yeah. yeah well, she awesome. never talks Dude, she never talks about it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. She is not, she is a very hard person to get in touch with. And I honestly just, I reached out to her personally and was like, look, I'm doing this project. You don't know me. Maybe you know me from some of the things I've done, but I, I'm a huge fan of yours and I totally get what you went through. And you are kind of like one of the reasons that this podcast would even exist because Barb's death in Stranger Things was such a cultural touchstone yeah. for some reason, right? And you don't know who is, who's going to have that reaction, but it just became like a phenomenon because I think people like, they dug her style, they thought the character was cool, and then they just yank her out of that show and you're like, what? Yeah, to the point like, where history. people, you know, justice for Barb was, uh, you know, yeah, was kind of a for, thing. Exactly. So, yeah. Justice for Barb. And so she agreed, she was like, you know what? This sounds pretty cool. I'll come and talk about it. And she was lovely and she talked about how the our tax dying and Never ending story was her her favorite death or her least favorite death in terms of just the most effective. And I was like, and I think the interview I did right after that was with Noah Hathaway, who played Atreyu and Never Ending Story. And the horse, the Artax death came up for so many different people. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I got to tell Noah, I was like, oh, you you know, so and so, that's their favorite death. And of course, Noah's reaction is, oh, that fucking horse. Um, <laughs> that's Noah. But um and yeah, then, uh, we've got we got to talk to a lot of really cool people. Yeah, so that's far. cool. Uh, Dante Bosco from from Hook, and uh, he's an Avatar. Uh, Amanda Wiss was the the first on screen death from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And yeah, um, I got to talk to my Punisher brothers. Um, I got to interview Ben Barnes, the man who killed me. Um, that was a really fun interview to do. Sort of confront your own your own murder. I'm like, dude, if it wasn't for you, I'd still have a job. And he's like, dude, I don't even have a job in that show. I'm like, no, I get it. It's not your fault. Yeah. And uh, I remember the day that Ben Barnes killed me. All he kept doing was apologizing the whole day. He's like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. He kept hugging me. I'm like, it's. I don't blame you. It's not your fault. I blame those people in Video Village over yeah, there. Yeah, you didn't write this. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, um, uh, so I'm yeah, gonna... we've got some great interviews coming up. We've got. Um, we're almost halfway through the season and we've got, um, yeah, I was going to ask really, how many, how many, how many total episodes in season in this first season? Yeah. First season we have eight episodes okay. and then a ninth bonus episode which is going to be Keith David live from, uh, LA comic con. Yeah. And we talk about they live and princess and the frog and all sorts of fun stuff. And, uh, but we've got some really cool deaths coming up. We've got, uh, speaking of alien, we've got some cool aliens folks who came in to talk about, some really interesting stuff. I don't want to spoil who that is. Although they always tell me, they're like, oh, you should talk about who's on it. But I think there's something cool to have like a little bit of mystery oh, about sure. like, who the actual guests are. But yeah. we uh, 
we cover some really cool stuff at the back end, and we have a, a phenomenal uh, finale episode, which is Star Wars. And Ooh. I will say, Mark Hamill, if you're listening, uh, please do my podcast in season two. But that being said, you know, my initial thought was, you know, let's get Mark Hamill to talk about the death of Luke Skywalker. Let's get, you know, could we get Harrison Ford? Obviously, that was never going to happen. Um, there have been some pretty awesome deaths. I wanted I wanted to talk to um, uh, uh, Boba Fett. Please help me. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, which Jeremy Boba Fett? Jeremy Bullock? No, not Jeremy Bullock, who died, who uh, actually died. Right, he was yeah. unavailable. Okay. By the way, in Hollywood, they say de- just because you're dead doesn't mean you're unavailable. Or are you Correct. talking about uh, Tamara Morrison? Tamara Morrison, okay. thank you, Tamara Morrison. Um, so we had we had actually been in touch with Tamara Morrison's people about it because I wanted to talk to him about, you know, Boba Fett being dead. He wasn't the one who actually died. What a what a what a meta weird death because it's like I didn't play the actor. I didn't play the character who actually died. That was a different actor. Then they resurrect me, but I'm not the actor who's resurrected. But now it's on a TV show. I mean, it just right. So I do get kind of resurrected, place. yeah. But I, but I had some other thoughts. I was like, well, what, what are the other iconic um, deaths in Star Wars? And they don't, I'll just say they don't, they usually don't involve people, humans. Right. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. So there's some really cool and some really cool behind the scenes stories that I think of things you have not, even, even things that surprised me as a Star Wars nerd. I was like, really? And they were like, yeah. I was like, okay, you heard it here first. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't. These guys know more than me, but um, yeah, we have a lot of fun things planned for the back half of the season. And then hopefully, you know, in a season two, I'd love to get to some more depth. There's so many deaths you could do every time that I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, you know, what you should do. And I get like a laundry list and everyone's got a great idea. And so I want to cover to, to Brian's point. I should do a poll and like see who who people want the most. Sean Bean comes up quite a bit. Oh yeah, Game um, of Thrones and probably many others, but yeah. Yeah, Borom, but Boromir in Lord of the Rings, that death. Really, oh yeah. Like, it's so incredible and it goes on for so long and it's so painful and it's such a hero's death. It's like one of the great hero's deaths, I think, on in screen history. Um, but yeah, there's a, and so many people I would have loved to talk to who are not around anymore, right? right. Like Robert Shaw, what a great, what a cool, <laughs> you know, come on, like the greatest. Uh, Alan Rickman, I would have loved to talk about Hans Gruber and talk about uh, her. Um, yeah, it's the fall. Yes. <laughs> it's fall, but, uh, using, the, using that Hitchcock technique. Exactly. My plan is to just do this podcast forever. As long as they keep killing people off and people caring about them. My plan is to just do 29 seasons of this until I'm dead. I mean, it's such a great idea. I mean, I mean, inevitably it could go on forever. I mean, there have been so many great iconic deaths and then there will continue to be as well. So, yeah. you know, you're never going to run out. Um, I'm throwing up the Spotify code up here. Um, theoretically, I think you should be able to point your phone on here and scan it. and It'll take you right to the Spotify page. Definitely follow, subscribe, okay. like, leave a great comment. Um, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the usual. I know they want, they're like, tell everybody to rate it five stars. I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell people to rate it five stars. I, I'm going to. That's, I'm not a fucking salesman, but also, but that does increase I, your visibility. So I know you need it to like, if you want they're like, well, if you want to do another season, you better get the numbers. And I'm like, it's all about numbers, unfortunately, but that's just <laughs> how, that's the world we live in when there's like more content than people alive. And, uh, you have to, you have to self promote and you have to talk about it. And, you know, but I, I think what we have here is something special and you get, you get an intimate look at some of your favorite actors and creators, um, in a way I think that's not been heard before. 
Um, and I think there was a there's a certain level of trust, I think, that that they come in with because I'm an actor and I've had similar experiences. And there's just sort of a shorthand where the the interviews kind of start from there and kind of get deeper and more layered. And I think it's been for me, honestly, if it was just this season, it was a fucking dream come I, true. I, I got to talk to so many of my favorite people, people I never thought I'd get to talk to in a million years. And just to have a reason to contact them and be like, hey, would you like to talk to me for two hours? And <laughs> I will tell you, we whittled these things down because these conversations, they would last for like hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Most of them. Um, yeah, and well, I was like this one, right? You just don't realize. You're like, oh, what? When you get into it, maybe Brian's like, no, this felt like hours, but... Um, no, no, not at all. It didn't. And to be honest with you, uh, yeah, it's the type of thing that it's a subject that touches on so many aspects of people's lives that yes, you can talk about things that go on and on and on. And it's so funny because there are people in the, uh, the chat that I'm seeing and it's good to see you folks, uh, Christopher Hewitt and CJ and all you guys and Kevin, Scott Hoverman from three alarm, uh, had a good suggestion, Disney deaths people who did voices for Disney deaths. There's another one where vocally, how do you get that across? So to well, speak? how interesting that that has been suggested. Um, we, uh, oh, I saw Andy Garcia in black rain. Holy shit. That, he gets decapitated by the Yakuza, right? Or by the right. these guys were the, that movie is fucked up. Um, there, w one of the actors we had on the, uh, on the podcast, I think it was episode two is Paula Rhodes, who does a lot of the voices for like Silent Hill and um, Resident Evil, a lot of those kinds of things. And so she talked about as a voice in a video game, how she dies, how she like prepares to like die as all these different characters and also to kill people as all these different characters. But um, what about cartoon characters? I wanted to do a whole thing about cartoons that die. Yeah, like how you, you play got infinite death. font of, uh, of content, know, right? my friend. So uh, Brian, I know you got to go. Um, yes, but, uh, thank you both for, uh, this and they, um, I'm, I'm Michael. I'm just, I'm, I, I, I remember when you came with the idea and then, you know, a couple weeks ago, I saw the press release at Lionsgate had picked it up and there, then, you know, it's on their network. I can't be happier. I could not be happier for you. Thanks, um, and I really, I really owe you a big, a, a big round of, what? you owe, you owe me nothing. Uh, should in the future I get killed by, uh, you know, a Heather Langenkamp type character in a horror movie, which is how I want to go. Uh, I would uh, I would love to be on an episode. So I don't see that. I don't. I mean, that would have to be a very specific movie. Sure, but uh, something you know, we all have that's dreams, your, right? If that's so your that's, archetype. That's, uh, I don't know. That's a weird. That's okay. Good. No, that, I don't yuck people's yums. That's yeah, totally legitimate. He wants to be a final girl. A bit more or less, except uh, I mean, you're I don't, my final girl. Oh, thank you. Um, but definitely, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast, you know where to get that. And, um, and and Kevin Smith, if you're out there, you know, I feel like I've met literally everybody you've either ever worked with or are friends with, and you and I have never met. And you are one of my dream guests for this podcast. So, you know, if, if anyone knows Kevin Smith, who's on this podcast or chatting about it, if you guys know him at all, or, you know, <laughs> we, just we, let him know that, let him know that I'm a huge fan and I would loved to talk to him uh, we may know but, someone who knows him so uh thank you yeah, guys let's do something else again it was a pleasure and brian you're the man i love you dearly not at all thank you thank you, thank you so thank much you. for having me thank yeah. you and uh much success thank you for everyone listening and watching and uh playing dead everybody with michael nathanson check it out so we'll see you guys soon <laughs>